The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. I think it's pretty remarkable when a hometown kid gets to play for a hometown team. When you think about there being like 30 or so teams in a major league sport, right? And then a Minnesotan gets to actually play for Minnesota. It's just pretty awesome. Think about the Lindsey Whalens or the Joe Mowers, Glenn Perkins, Adam Thielen, Alex Stalock, etc. Today on Perkett Pod... Another episode as we get to know another Minnesota sports influencer or icon. And this one fits that aforementioned billing, our conversation with St. Paul's own Matt Burke, who obviously went on to win a Super Bowl with Baltimore, but the bulk of his NFL run was in the other purple here with the Minnesota Vikings. But before we get to Matt Burke, random ranks. Here now, my top 11 list of guys who, like Matt Burke, have a first name with one syllable and a last name with one syllable. The best NFL stars of all time who share that one and one syllable first last name sitch, okay? Number 11, Zach Ertz. Okay, you get the idea. 10, Art Shell, one of the great Raiders of all time. Number nine, I believe a teammate of Matt Burke's, Ed Reed, Hall of Fame. A lot of these guys are Hall of Fame, actually. Actually, all of them are are future. Uh, Number eight, Steve Young. And now we go into like a a list of of Pittsburgh Steelers here. Seven, six, and five. We're going Mel Blunt, Jack Ham, Joe Green. I kind of want to coke now. Number four, Bruce Smith. Then we go into the Packers quarterbacks. Number three, Bart Starr. Number two, Brett Favre. Sorry, Vikings quarterback. And number one, (laughs) Drew Brees. Okay. And so back to Matt Burke. But first, thank you, okay? This is our sixth episode now of Perkett Pod here on the Zone Coverage Podcast Network, and we've been getting a lot of great guests and good attention for these interviews. So sincere gracias to all y'all downloading and listening. What I can assure you is that we've got some bona fide, captivating guests in the pipeline here. So spread the word. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I'm told that's how we can generate even more heat. And if you feel like it, rate, review us. That helps as well. Back to Burke and Perk. And by the way, an old Perk at Play segment I did, Burke versus Perk, when he opened a gym in St. Paul with fellow Vikings lineman Corbin Lacina at the time, I went head-to-head in feats of strength with Burke. Later in the piece, I then mistook hand chalk for protein powder and hijinks naturally ensued. Whatever. Burke's career and life have come a long way with many plot twists. I caught up with the former Pro Bowl center recently in Burnsville. Perk and so I would say welcome Matt Burke, but actually I'm kind of in your space right yes. here. What, what, where are we? Where this is your turf, huh? <clears throat> well, we're at we're at Mary Mother of the Church here in Burnsville, which is a uh, Catholic parish, but also houses Unity High School which is a Catholic high school which I co-founded, which we opened up in September of this year. Congratulations, right? Uh, I, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's a big lift. It's, it's a big lift, and it was, uh, it was a couple years in the making, and it's nice, to, it's nice to have it come to fruition and actually happening. And so why, what, why unity, and, and what is unity, and what, yeah. how is it differentiated from the others? Sure, so unity is a, it's a Catholic high school, yeah. and uh, you know, essentially I've been involved in education a long time. My wife and I founded our foundation back in 2002, and 
think everybody probably knows because Charlie Walters would always print it in his column. But, you know, <laughs> I went to Harvard, right? Education has played a big role in my life. I never and, knew that about you. I know, right? <laughs> I'm from St. Paul. Did you know that too, by the way? <laughs> Go figure. It's weird. Um, and so uh, been very involved in education and, and obviously played a huge role in my life. And, um, you know, with having eight kids of my own, we've moved around a lot, looked at a lot of different schools. But I think if you look at the big picture, the way that we educate our kids today is still, uh, it's, it's antiquated. We're still cultivating skills, primarily rewarding memorization and regurgitation, which is not a very valuable skill to have nowadays. We don't live in the knowledge economy anymore, being that everybody has a smartphone. And uh, also, if you look at the mental and emotional well-being of our kids in general, uh, it's not real good. No, it's it's it it can get dark. Yeah. yeah, and you can say, well, that's because of technology and social media, and that certainly exacerbates some of the problem. But what's interesting is because the kids are such digital creatures, it's also inhibiting their ability to develop some of these skills like creativity, collaboration, communication skills, social and emotional intelligence, resiliency. And these are actually the skills that if you read some of these predictive analysis pieces are going to be in demand in the economy of the future, which is like in 2028, you know, is in like eight or 10 years. And so it's like I just, you just kind of look at the whole picture and you say, I think we're doing our kids a little bit of a disservice the way that we're educating them and what we're actually cultivating. And so I kind of got this idea. It was kind of mouthing off one day and a friend of mine said, well, you should talk to a mutual friend of ours. He's talking about doing starting a school, which he'd actually done before, so he actually knew how to do it. I right. could just talk about it. And we joined up, and we both had the same vision as far as location. This part of the city needs a Catholic high school. Um, we both wanted to be affordable. That was another barrier or, quote, problem that we saw with Catholic education. Um, and then I kind of pitched him this this model, if you will, which we can get into, but and uh, and and he liked it, and it was about a five minute meeting. We shook hands, and we said, "Let's let's do this." So that curriculum is is sort of tailored by by you and your team, or, or? yeah, I mean we're you know we're not like this isn't a total revamp, but we're we're tweaking the model. So Monday, okay. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we do traditional liberal arts curriculum, yeah. and then Wednesdays we call it real world Wednesdays, where we don't do any of that stuff, and we have a course in virtuous leadership. We have. Uh, a course called ethical entrepreneurship. We want our kids to view their lives as, as their own enterprise. You know, and, and in today's world, that's how you need to do it. This isn't, you know, this isn't the years ago where you went to high school, maybe you went to college, you got a job, and then you sat at the desk for forty years and got a gold watch and you know went home and retired. Right? I mean, this is the gig economy. Kids, you got to be flexible. You got to be able to pivot. Um, we do we, we, we do a lot of service. Our kids walk about a mile and a half down the road every other Wednesday and visit with the with the folks at a at a senior home. Awesome, good uh, for you guys. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, you know, and that's uh, again, we're just we're tweaking the model, taking a different uh, a different approach, uh, but one that we definitely think is warranted. And so, what kind of enrollment? What kind of student body numbers are you talking? Like, is this obviously still fledgling? Right, it's still kind of up and coming. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. So we just opened up. We just started with ninth grade this year. Okay, uh, we have fourteen freshmen. Which, as uh, my partner who's done this before says, if anybody doesn't think that's a good number, they've never started a school <laughs> because you know you're asking the the families that said yes are really taking a chance. You know, I mean, you're telling them what you're going yeah. to do. You can't show them what you're doing. Right. So they really have to buy into the vision and believe in you. 
the founders and the and the principal and the faculty and staff that you can that you can bring this make this a reality. And so, 14 freshmen this year, uh, good interest for for next year. So we'll keep bringing in a freshman class until we have grades nine through 12, and uh, we'll see where it goes. You, you have you have a little bit of a sample size now, so a proof of purchase, if you will, like folks can actually see. Oh, okay, this is what they're doing over there, it, right? And you can also get testimonials from from students that are in the in the program and all that stuff. And that's how you, it's just kind of a slow kind of gradual. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're, I'd say we're definitely playing the long game here. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried about what it looks like this year or next yeah. year as far as numbers. I'm thinking we're 20 years from now. Cool. And, uh, and it's nice being so small. I mean, we, we didn't have it all figured out. We've, we had some great ideas that stunk. I mean, we really did, but we're so small that we can, we can pivot quickly and, uh, and, and adjust. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to have a, uh, we're gonna have a great model that uh, ultimately is going to serve, serve our, our families and our kids here very well. Um, and who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe other people or the rest of the, the rest of the world can can glean the good that we've done and what we've learned and, and apply it to, to their corner of the world. And so, you are you how active are you in it? Are you, they're founding it, right? And then how how day to day are you? Well, no no day to day. I'm I'm on the board and I'm here a lot because I have a child who's a freshman in the class. So okay. I, so I'm, I wear a couple different hats. You sure. Know? Uh, but uh, you know, communicate closely with the faculty and staff, and and uh, you know, pretty pretty involved without having any real day to day responsibilities. I want to go back to eight kids, <laughs> Matt. That's a that's a lot of that's it's a kind of hard for you to wrap your mind. Well, around I mean, you, you've, you've got you've got a starting five. You, you have a, a few reserves. Some there. Bench strength, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's awesome, and congratulations on that too, I suppose. But like, like, how? What age ranges are, are we talking here with eight kids? So we go seventeen to three. Seventeen's the oldest. Um, so high school. Yeah, three high school daughters, which okay. is uh, three teenage daughters, which is which makes me basically the bravest guy you know, Perk. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I don't, you bring a Navy SEAL in here, I'll go toe to toe with them as far as courage and bravery. Uh, three teenage girls, and then uh, and then five boys, eleven, nine, seven, and uh, two three year old boys. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and and you, does it ever get like? Are you ever calling out the wrong name when you're hollering? Constantly. Or, okay. Constantly. Wrong name, forgetting stuff, forgetting to pick that kid up from so-and-so's house. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it's absolute chaos. Um, and I guess I'd like to think that, um, yeah, I'd like to think maybe my football career, as regimented as football is, I mean, you know, because you've been in the locker room, you've been on the sidelines, right, during a game. There's a lot of chaos, and you really have to be able to – to be able to operate in that kind of environment and keep your and keep your head. So I'd like to think that playing 15 years in the NFL prepared me to try to to try to parent uh, eight kids in in this crazy world. And and I would imagine your your wife is if not a saint, yeah, at least well, an angel or same as same as well. It's it's a team game, right? She's yeah. the she's the quarterback. I'm yeah. just the center. You know, she calls the plays, and I'll try to go try to go make it work. Did you come from a big family? Uh, I just have two brothers. Okay, my wife, uh, a couple sisters, but um, just the way it happened. You know, we started having kids young, and uh, my wife has all sisters. I have all brothers, so we went girl, 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 which I thought was kind of cool. Never had girls. Yeah, never have a sister. And my wife's like, "Well, I want boys," and so we went, "Boy, boy, boy." Uh, and then it was, uh, you know, we were the Brady Bunch, and kind of thought, "Yeah, we we're good," but God had other plans. <laughs> two, two more boys, and. Now I think, yeah, I remember having six kids at one point, Perk, and we were out of diapers, and I was like, you know, I was like, I kind of got my, 
Got your fill? Yeah, no, no, no. I was kind of saying like, like okay. we kind of got this on cruise. Like we're, we're oh, okay. Like, oh, six kids. I'm like, yes, it really isn't. Just whatever that phase that we were in, it wasn't. Kind of felt like I was, like, like I was in the zone a little bit. You know, like, like we kind of had this everything locked down. Bring and, it on. And it's like, oh, all right, yeah. Well, so the, the, then we adopted. We opened ourselves up for adoption and got basically picked on the same day by two birth moms, different birth moms to wow. uh, adopt their their kids. And now eight. It's like, man. I mean, we might as well have. 50 because we just it just feels like every day we're we're taking l's yeah you just gotta, you gotta know when to just take an l right sometimes um that 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 must have been um the the, the decision to adopt that that's a big decision too isn't it i mean yeah oh it definitely is and it was it was kind of we talked about it for a long long time when we were able to have kids we no longer can which is which is okay we were blessed with six and Again, I wasn't gonna. I didn't bring it up. It was my wife, and I kind of thought to myself, "Well, yeah, we can go through the process, but what birth mom's gonna pick us? We already have six. They're gonna look at our family picture and say, oh, my kid's gonna get lost in the shuffle over there,' you know?" And r- really, the first day that our profile was out there, two birth moms wow. picked us. They wanted their kids to be in a big family, and that's a that's an awesome honor. It's a huge responsibility, which I still feel today and take very um, very seriously, and. I mean, it's great. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of going to school in, co- in college. You know, because it might be a shocker to you. I didn't get straight A's in college, Perk. I was oh not the straight A guy. At not Harvard. at Harvard. No, okay. uh, you know, kind of going for C's, right? So it's like, you know, I'm not going to get an A in parenting. It's just like impossible right. right now at this stage. But it's like if I can just so you know you lower you lower if I just get a C if I keep getting C's, you know what? Eventually, I'm going to graduate, and that's right. the ultimate goal. You know, parenting. We're just trying to raise productive human beings here so just just you know lower lower the expectations don't worry c's are okay c's will get us to to where we want to go amen all right well so the, you grew up in saint paul obviously um and was it was it sports uh in inundation kind of there was were you kind of immersed all all, all the way up like in in different sports or or how did all that evolve it was sports but it wasn't like it is today it was sports in the street sports in the yard bike up to the field you know i don't know how but there'd be 15 other guys we had it coordinated somehow we didn't have cell phones yeah. you know we just were all there at nine o'clock or whatever and played um never played on one travel team never made one all-star team played a lot of in-house rec league that kind of thing and then well it wasn't very good but that was okay because there was always a place for me to play i knew i wasn't very good uh you know i was the short fat slow weak kid had some coordination though had a lot of heart. Had a lot of there heart. There you go. And uh, finally in the 10th grade, I you know, just kind of tried everything else and said, well, I might as well just go out for football, see what this is all about. And that's when I, you know, kind of discovered my talent, if you will. And I, Cretan, it was already pretty doggone well established at that point. Yeah, it's a pretty good program. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you know or not. They've yeah. had a few players come out of there. But I sort of discovered my my natural gift. I had a knack for, you know, getting in people's way and – grabbing onto them and so it's like well okay you should play a line and uh you know just loved it loved at that point in my life discovered the weight room you know loved lifting weights okay walking around school you know kind of like like yeah. you know with your arms out a little wider feeling the pump and you know it's just kind of like your normal testosterone high school guy stuff and yeah, it was a great it was a great atmosphere. I want to go back to the the, the football on the streets, the, the just riding your bike up and playing like that. I, I just like to me, I'm, I think back on that, and I was like, those are some of my fondest sports memories. I played a lot of organized sports. I I, I did 
you know, a lot of the rec teams and all that stuff. But I just, I remember like some of those playground games being the most fun. Like it was just and like the most we, important too, right? right? I mean, you thought you were playing for like the World Series. Yes. There's no adults around, but it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I had this one, I had this one pattern where I do an out. So it was like a, you know, like a square out kind of. And then on the out, I broke down the sideline. So it was like a chair pattern, right? Yeah, we call that out and up. Okay, out and up. Yeah. Okay, okay. See, see so, that? but they see do that? the, but, but my quarterback, it was always Craig Aronson, and so we'd. It was like usually two on two. Sometimes it got to be three on three, yeah. but like Craig Aronson would always pump on the out, right? Pump fake, and then the you know, the defender would bite, and I'd be yes. free and clear uh, on the on the <laughs> on the sideline. Best it, feeling in the world, right? It was right? like it never <laughs> failed. If we wanted a touchdown, we would always go to that, and it was just like, oh yeah, it was absolutely the best. We had and and and, and playing basketball with the chain nets. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, for and, sure. Oh my gosh, but uh, yeah, that's isn't isn't that um, sad that, that so much of that has kind of. Uh, kind of peeled back a little bit and gone away to oh, a degree 100% and I think at the end of the day it's the sad it's sad because because uh, our kids are missing out you know they're missing out on those memories yeah. I mean I have the same memories as you do and I think that's where you not only is it is it better because um, because the kids have more fun you learn more less I mean, pressure right, right less pressure right you, you figure out how to make your rules and solve your differences and uh, you know, you yeah. lose and the other kids, you know, rubbing your nose in it. You got to take it or you, yeah. or you sock them or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's like, you, like, like you really live in life and it's like, now we've, we've kind of screwed it up where we put our kids in these really controlled sort of sterile environments. And we've just made it all about like skill development and, um, uh, you know, it's like, like we're paying a lot of money for this. And so you better pay attention and you better try hard and you better. And, and like the, the kids, most kids just aren't enjoying it. That's why 75% of kids are dropping out of sports by middle school. And the number one reason is because they're just not having any fun. I think tryouts for some of these kids are way more stressful for the parents. Oh, totally. And for some way, some reason we think that like how well our kid performs or how good he or she is at a certain sport somehow reflects on like our parenting abilities or our character. And it doesn't mean anything, right? Uh, we just need to let kids be kids. I mean, you know, the world's going to, get their mitts into them sooner or later and kind of ruin them, if you will. I'm a big fan of just trying to let kids remain as, uh, as innocent uh, as they can be for as long as they can be. And I think that's just like you said, just kind of playing on the, on the playground and being kids. Yeah. I think, it, I think it also fosters creativity because there's a lot of times where I just, I, you know, we'd make up leagues, we'd do stats, we'd, you know, come up with fictitious players, you know. Boundaries, you got to, you know, what's... What, yeah, what's, you're like, there. yeah, I have so many hybrid games that we made up. There was one where we'd jump off a trampoline from my friend's roof and into the pool and we'd like make diving catches and then we'd have this grading scale. Oh, I mean, yeah. just like just stupid stuff like that where it was just like <laughs> probably horribly dangerous and reckless, but like it was just uh, such such indelible fine memories. So, so at Creighton, you're playing... Playing football, was it a Calic or was it a Scanlon? Who was kind of taking you under their wing, or was it both of those? Coaches? It was both, and yeah. I grew up with both those guys. They went, we went to the same church, went to school with their kids. Um, so they were co-coaching, and then Mal left my senior year for okay. the University of St. Thomas. But uh, yeah, two great guys. I mean, pillars of the community. Yeah, and they were coaching football. They weren't. Yeah, they love football, but they were coaching because they love kids. They loved. They loved yeah. young men. They loved helping these boys become men and. Yeah. I really thrived in that environment for for a lot of reasons, and also you know got a lot bigger and stronger, and never really thought I'd play college football. It really wasn't a goal, 
necessarily. I just loved playing football. And remember, I got I got uh, accepted early to Marquette University to a physical therapy program. Five years, I was gonna be a physical therapist. I was like, man, that's what I'm gonna do with my life. And so, got accepted in like October, and season was over. And Coach Calic was like, yeah, there's some schools that want to talk to you about football. I was like, nah. And I knew they weren't big schools. So I was like, nah, I don't want to go to. You know, no offense to right. Western State South Dakota, really yeah, sure. but I'm not, not going offense, there. Yeah. And he's like, "Gosh, there's like there's like Ivy League schools and service academies." And I was like, "Oh, I was like, well, I'll I'll talk to them." And <laughs> you know, kind of checked it out and and ended up at at Harvard, which was um, wow. you know, it's a great. <laughs> never thought I'd go to Harvard, uh, but ended up there, and certainly a great experience. Was that intimidating, like uh, academically? Was were you just uh, obviously you you had your spot there. Um, but like going to classes, were you just kind of, or or was it, or were you just kind of wide-eyed and eager to learn and, and take it all in? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit intimidating, yeah. right? I mean, no matter who you are, uh, it's like, yeah, this is Harvard. But the great thing is, and it kind of speaks to the brotherhood in football. But you know, you started training camp before classes started, so you kind of had a built-in group of a hundred guys that you're already in. You know, you're yeah. in the club, and then upperclassmen give you some tips kind of watch out for it and you know there's strength in the strength in the pack if you will you can draw a lot of confidence from that because uh you know maybe at alabama if you walk around with a says you know alabama football player on your shirt people probably hey that's pretty cool at harvard most of the students they don't really care they're like well we have a football team <laughs> like yeah you should come watch we got uniforms and everything it's great uh saturday afternoons oh um, boy but yeah you know you just kind of you, you, you figure it out and you, you find your way and then go figure you land back home i mean that 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 had to be just like surreal that was like totally unbelievable right like what are the what are the chances uh kid that ne- never was gonna play college football and you know he's gonna make a chance in the nfl and and even the other thing is during my spring break so mike tice called me he was the old line coach after the combine in Indianapolis. He said, yeah, I saw you at the Combine. You did some good things. I want to work you out. Uh, how's my impersonation? Pretty good. It's not Spot bad, on. right? <laughs> You're uh, really good. But I, there's nobody else in Boston I need to see, so uh, I don't want to fly out there just to see you. Uh, you gonna you coming home for spring break? And I said, yeah, I'm coming home. He goes, all right. He goes, uh, we picked like a date and time. He's like, you come to Winter Park. And he says, uh, he says, uh, you know where we are. We're we're out in Eden Prairie. You're, you you're from here. You know where we are. Bye. And hangs up. Now I'm from St. Paul, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think I'd ever been to Eden Prairie, right? Back then, that was like on the other side of the world. That was like <laughs> 20 miles away. So I'm driving to this workout on my spring break, and no 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 map quest, no Google Maps. And I'm remember I'm on I'm on Viking Drive. Yeah. So I'm gotta like, be well, okay, it's gotta be close. But I'm starting to freak out now, and I pull into this little strip mall. And there's a salon, and I come in, and I asked Leah, I said, I said, where's, where's Winter Park? And she goes, she goes, Sugar, she goes, just, just, just relax. She goes, it's just right down the street. You're going to be okay. She could see, like, I was yeah. starting to lose it. But anyways, I went and had this workout where Mike just, I think he tried to kill me, literally tried to get me to drop dead. And I didn't. And afterwards, he said, you know, he goes, he goes you did really well. Um, he goes, you're going to get drafted. But we're, so that was, like, the good news. But the bad news is we're not going to draft the linemen, you know, so, oh, thanks, Mike. Well, it was good to hear because that's all I really want was a chance. It's right? Like, well, I'm gonna get drafted. I might get, an, I might get enough money to pay off all my student loans. <laughs> like that's what oh, I yeah. was thinking. So, I didn't even think of that. Um, and then so so not even like, did you have an agent or no? I had an agent, yeah, okay. but you know, you're a late round draft pick. There's yeah. really not a lot they're doing for you or can do. And so draft day rolls around. I'm kind of like, man, where am I gonna go? And 
no idea. And the phone starts ringing. I remember the Chiefs called, you know, a scout. And then the Packers called. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool, whatever. And, and the phone rang. It was Denny Green. Wow. And I was like, Denny's not calling me to tell me they might right. take me. Right. You know, That's somebody next else. Round. Right. Yeah. If uh, Denny calls, it's on. And it was quick because he said, uh, he said, hey, so we're going to take you this next pick. So do you ready to see your name on TV? So here it comes. And it was like, bam. And it popped up. And yeah, it was just like, Man, I remember it took me about two hours to clear the phone line so I could call home. Like, you know, again, no internet. My family, we didn't even have cable at my house. Right. So somebody had to, like, call my mom and tell her that I got drafted by the Vikings. Oh, wow. And she was – it was crazy, but uh How was she fun. about that? Was she just, just ecstatic? Or? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. In fact, I lived with my parents for most of my rookie year, which was <laughs> – I was a rookie old lineman in the NFL. That's funny. I was sleeping in my old room, you know, and mom waking me up. Hey, time to – my buddy's like, how's it work? So your mom wake up and say, hey, Matt, wake up. You got to play the Bears today. <laughs> right? Uh, but it was uh, it was quite the way. And, and I think part of the reason why I lasted, why I was able to make it in the NFL, because I had a, you know, I was back home with my support system, with people who cared about me, who really didn't care what I was doing. They just cared about me and and made sure that I was uh, that I was doing the right thing. And your first season was 1998-1999 and we all know what kind of season that was, 15 and 1 and just <laughs> magical and putting up 40 points a game every game. I mean, you were on the bench for the Pretty most part. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I had the best seat in the house. But uh, Jeff Christie was the center at that time, right? I mean, Jeff Christie, Randall McDaniel, Todd Stucey, Corey Stringer, Dave Dixon. I mean, it was just like it was like every position. We were wow. just we were so loaded and uh, not knowing anything, but just coming into the league and watching that. Even I remember the first couple of days of practice, I was like, I think we're pretty good. You know, like I, I was like, there's Randy Moss is like, you know, he, that year he, he had broken his ankle playing basketball. So he didn't practice in mini camp at all. Okay. And it's like the second day of training camp. And he's just like killing people. I mean, you know, running five yards behind them. And I was like, I think we're pretty good. Robert Smith, you know, Jeez. Uh, and then, yeah, we were. I mean, newsflash, we were we were really good. And Cunningham was sort of, I mean, he was, that was sort of a renaissance season for him. He was the like, backup. Yeah. You know, Brad gets, goes out with that neck injury in St. Louis. And was like, oh, no, not the neck injury again, where he kind of would you know, take the ball back and it would just fall out of his hands. Mm -hmm. I remember it happened a couple of times, like a nerve thing. But Randall comes in and. There's one thing Randall could do. He could throw it up there, and Randy was Randy was a willing participant to run down the field and go get it. And and Chris Carter and Jake Reed and Andrew Glover was it Andrew Glover? Uh, Andrew you're Glover, oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. That was just 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 so. so it's, like, it's like eleven Pro Bowlers. Such, such a fun season, and just like like I remember we had Care Eleven had um I because the game the Super Bowl was in Miami and and we had already kind of like you know and it's on right after that right after that championship game like media days like Tuesday I mean there's not a lot of quick it's a pretty quick turnaround to get so we had a dozen hotel rooms booked in Miami you blocked them <laughs> we did yeah. we had to we had to we were all prepared to go big on on the Viking Super Bowl in in Miami <laughs> jeez I know, I know. We're uh, this is sort of like one of those things that you just like. I brought it up, like I did, like uh, whatever it was, the the twentieth anniversary story, or maybe it was the fifteenth anniversary story of, of that game, and and it's just people still really have a hard time, like really emotionally opening up to that that experience and what that NFC Championship game and that failure against the Falcons was like, how raw and real that was to Minnesota sports fans. Yeah. It is, it is. They are damaged by that game yeah, and I, no i still go around too and i say 98 and everybody knows and 
best way I heard it described. It, it's it's remembered so fondly the season, right? And like we, we're, we're just talking, it was magical. Um, but I mean, the, I mean the, it was it was the Vikings all of a sudden, you know, ninety seven. I mean, Denny always right. It was always nine and seven, ten and yeah. six, make the playoffs with yeah. a new quarterback that nobody wanted. Like, that was pretty incredible. But then ninety eight came around. And it was like the Vikings. It was must see TV, right? All of a sudden, the Vikings became not just not just a really good team. Like the Broncos were really good that year. The Broncos were fourteen and two. Atlanta was fourteen and two, but nobody had the 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 panache of the Vikings, right? I mean, it was like must see TV because one, we're really good, and two, we are so cool, right? Like just everything was cool. Big plays. Randy Moss making stupid catches. It was just like. This is you guys. You got to see this, right? It's yeah. like the show. This is the show, and then for it all to just stop like that. Right. And everybody, Atlanta was fourteen and two. Right? I mean, like who goes fourteen and two anymore? Nobody. They were really, team. really good. Yeah. Uh, but we still should have. We still should have beat them. Jeez Louise. Um, you you uh, obviously did have a long and fruitful NFL career. Fifteen seasons, you said. Yeah, that's a heck of a run. I yeah. mean, in, in 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 this day and age, that's a that's a good long career. I, obviously, you you don't get to that point with a lot of great people surrounding you. But I mean, what do you attribute that to? Uh, that kind of duration. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is just it's just good fortune. You know, being in a great situation. Um, I think I think you know, this is kind of what I try to tell parents when they want to talk. Well, how's my you know what's the secret to I said, you kind of just got to have the genetics for it. You know, like I had the genetics to play O-line. I mean, never broken a bone, uh, played 15 years. I think my body was just kind of made to take the beating, you know. Mm. Uh, every time I get an x-ray, you know, doctors be like, oh, my gosh, you have like the thickest bones we've ever seen. Huh. And I said, well, my, my mom grew up on a dairy farm. I don't ever remember drinking water growing up. We just always drank milk. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it's just that's just kind of what I was made to do, right? And then I just – I, just, I loved the process. I did love – I mean, the thing I love about football is 99% of the time you're preparing. Yeah. So it's like you wake up and So April, much discipline. Yeah, and you're like, okay, how am I going to get 1% better at 20 things today? And it's April 10th, right? And so I love lifting weights. Um, I love just always doing little things, looking for a little edge and kind of seeking that out and trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know. I just – you know, I just – I was very – intrinsically motivated to try to figure out how how could I just maximize my uh my talents and um you know great teammates great coaching great situations uh, and you just turn around and you're like wow that lasted 15 years it's unbelievable that's a great work ethic great 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 devotion what who is the best defender you ever had to go up against like <laughs> like was was, yeah. was there somebody that was just a nightmare for you well John Randall I mean, for two years, I was a backup, so I'd see him every day in practice, and I didn't block him for two years. And, like, did, when, when you say you didn't block him, like, you couldn't block him. Couldn't block him. Like, he was unblockable. And in practice, too, like, John, you know, that's what, you know, watching that, one, that made me just so much better because John, 100% every play. I mean, if I didn't, if I went 110%, I'd have a 1% chance of blocking him. But that's what it took to go against John Randall every single day. Um, but then to also be like, hey, this guy's the best. He is the best in the NFL. And look at how hard he's going. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have this idea that, and you see it. Some guys, they're vets, and they're going to try to they keep the governor cap on. And so on Sundays, you know, I can I can save it for Sunday. John's like, I'm not, it's Friday. I'm not saving anything. Wow. And so part of that was, that stuck with me too. Is like, hey, John Randall's last a long time, played at a really high level because he's given everything he has, you know, and 
I think that's how you want it. When you're when you're done playing, you just want to be like, hey man, I've I've squeezed everything out of me. You know, all the effort, all the ability. Like I'm done. Yeah. And then you can, and then you can move on. But John was John was the best. Uh, I think probably later on in my career, the guy because I saw him saw him seven times my last four years. But it was Vince Wilfork with the Patriots. We played him seven times in four years. Three every year in the regular season, and then uh, three times in four years in the playoffs. And so. Uh, he was special. Yeah. Huh? He was special, and, and he was a guy too, right? The Patriots, um, you know, they kind of always knew regular season and then uh, postseason you're going to see something different. They were going to make an adjustment, and they kind of had that other gear, you know. And I think the thing for us playing them so many times was, uh, one, we, we kind of got to see what it looked like, you know. I mean, we did fared really well against them. We beat them two out of three playoff games in Foxborough. So I think, too, having some yeah. familiarity with them, it's like, hey, there's nothing to be scared of here. We're not going to be in awe of the – Patriots mystique we're gonna we're just gonna do what we do which is back then with the Ravens it was just run right at people and smack them smack them in the mouth and uh on a couple days a couple of occasions we were you know we were better than them but Vince was I knew I always had my hands full because he was a he was a great player and, and a real real pro and you have you won the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens your Super Bowl champion you yeah. always say that. I mean, that's just, you can just always say that. Yeah, right? it doesn't really get old. No. Yeah, you can you can keep saying it. Go ahead. Um, a, a Super Bowl champion, but also like uh, multiple Pro Bowls, right? How many? How many in all? In all uh, you probably recall uh, six. Okay, six. Six. Six time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, fifteen year career in the NFL with some amazing teams. That that's. <laughs> Sort of a resume for a Hall of Famer. I know the Vikings have had some offensive line Hall of Famers, Ron Yeri, McTinglehoff. Um, uh, I know Steve Hutchinson's a semifinalist this time around. Like, do, do you – it's a strong – you would have a strong case to be a Hall of Famer, don't you think? I think so. Um, but I'm going to let somebody else make that case. You yeah, know? no I doubt. Know. No doubt. I get a, that. Uh, yeah. It's – I mean, when I, again, I'll always go back to um, – that first day of practice when I with the Vikings, when I went against John Randall and I whiffed. I mean, I literally whiffed, did not touch him, which is hard to do as an offensive lineman. Um, to be able to say, gosh, I, I lasted 15 years and got to do all those things and have all those experiences and have those form those relationships. So, I mean, it's like I, I got so much, so much from football. Uh, my cup kind of runneth over. And so, um, you know, if the Hall of Fame, that's something that, you know, if that were to happen, geez, Louise, I mean, I'd throw a party so big, Canton, Ohio might not ever recover because I'd want to make sure to include everybody who had anything to do with um, with my career. I'm very cognizant of that, too, that, you know, it's it's going all the way back to youth. It's coaches and obviously parents and just people in the community. Back then, St. Paul, where I grew up, it was kind of like every, all the adults watched out for all the kids. You know, they took interest in everybody uh, even when they didn't have to. So... I look back with, with really nothing but but gratitude uh, on my career and to and to so many people and um, and we'll see and by the way, Perk, I am in the Mancini's Hall of Fame, okay, which huge. is uh, which is about the same as <laughs> okay. the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I go to West Seventh anytime I want and you know get a good steak. Oh, so. That's a big darn deal. Heck yeah! Oh my gosh! Heck yeah, baby! That's a, that's an elite company for sure. No, <laughs> no, no doubt that is that, that is that's that is St. Paul royalty right yes. there for sure. Um, and but you wanted to give back to the game, and uh, and I know you 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 took on a role, um, with the NFL league office, and how how was that for you? It was all right. You know, it's it's a corporate place. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was great two year experience, but 
at the end of the day when we were living out there, that's when we adopted our two little guys. In and, New York, right? Yeah. I didn't want to raise my family in, in New York City with that that lifestyle. Um, but it's you know, it's fun. I played. I've served in the in the players association as a union rep. I've been in the 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 corporate office, just kind of see the business side of the NFL. So I've seen it from a lot of different angles. I was the appeals judge one year, which was uh for on the field discipline when guys got fined, I would hear then hear their appeals and have the, the final say on whether the fine was upheld or reduced or rescinded. So I've seen the game from a lot of different areas and the other day I just I just love football. Yeah. I love the game of football. The NFL is great. Yep. I love high school football. I love I'm in youth football now, coaching my boys. The game. The game is what I love and not just the game and three point stances and X's and O's and this and that, but just I think a lot of those intangible things around that. And um, at the end of the day, is, is what I've come to know in football as is, is not – I mean, it's a sport at the most basic level, but I really see it as an institution to teach, to teach yeah. uh, character, teach values, teach lessons that, that kids need. And obviously had a huge role in my life, and I want to make sure that, uh, that I give back to the game, and especially when I'm coaching, if I can – if I can positively affect those kids, I want every kid to walk away saying, maybe, you know, maybe they play football for one year, maybe they play for 20. Well, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'm really glad that guy coached me. Like, he he, he made a little bit of a difference for me. Uh, yeah. That's what I want to do because a, a lot of guys did that for me. Coaches are huge, huge influencers in our in our lives yeah. for sure. And and you, uh, you're doing a lot now. I know you're obviously – We've talked about the coaching. We've talked about the parenting. Uh, we've talked about Unity High School. Um, you're doing a lot of public speaking too, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I do uh, I do about a hundred events a year. That's a uh, lot. It is. Most of them local, thankfully. But uh, that but that's a lot. I mean, think yeah. about a hundred dates a year. That's yeah. <laughs> that's you know, mean. about half corporate yeah. and then half uh, fundraisers. You know, charity stuff, which. Okay. Which I like that will also include some stand-up comedy in their perk. I've, yeah, I've how, waded how, into the stand-up comedy world. How's that working out? You for know what? You? It's not. It's not bad. But um, so so I've done it. I've done. I just did a show in Chicago. Did a show in New York. So like, how many of these have you done? So this is like a thing now. Well, it, it kind of became a thing okay. by accident. Um, so here's the thing. It's like here's the thing about the thing. Yeah, is did it. And everyone's like, "Oh man, that's great! You know, let's let's do it again." And I'm like, "Wait a second! I'm like, it took me, I'm 43 now. It took me 42 years to write my first set. Okay, <laughs> I can't just come up with another. Like, I need another. I'm not gonna say 42 years, but I need like another 10 years to come up with. It, it, it's like it's like that band, right? That that hits the scene and their their debut album just crushes, yes. you know? And they're like, "All right, let's get another one out." And they come up with the second one, and it's a dud. Yeah. Like that's. I'm like, you guys don't understand. This stuff just doesn't happen, you know. Uh, so I think I think I'm I think I'm approaching the end of my of my life cycle as a, as a comic. But I've done it a lot for charity events, and uh, you know, is not, it like a three minute routine or? What oh is it like no, a, no, like, no. Like, oh, oh, like no. ten. Oh no, no, oh, like a half hour. Something. Yeah, thirty to forty minutes. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's a, a it's a real set. That's a lot of material. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And, oh wow. Uh, but like again, it took a. But are do you do you study other comics? Will you like sit down and watch like a. a, a comedian special on netflix or whatever are, are there people that you've like watched on on stage that that do that that you sort of are amazed by or, or really oh, I, I mean i'm amazed you know i mean i 
when I actually went and saw Jim Gaff again once yeah. live, and I just wanted him to stop because my stomach hurts so bad. You know, the, I mean, that's that's like a different level, right? Right, like, right. There's like a genius there where it's almost like not even just it's so funny, but the cadence. It's almost like whatever it is. Every 13 seconds, there's a punchline, so it just gets you into the. You can't help but be laughing right. and whatever it is. Uh, it's amazing. It I, is, I don't study is. anybody else though because at the yeah. end of the day, right? If if it's just not you and not real. If I have to try too hard, that I shouldn't like. I have an, I have other things going on that I should be devoting effort yeah. to. But it's for and for, I say this my last thing to all the stand up comedians out there who probably like hate me because I'm saying I'm a stand up comedian. For me, if, it's, if I'm here in town, it's easy because everyone know they know me, yeah. right? And they probably like me, or maybe they really hate me. Either way, that works for comedy. Like you're right. getting. So I walk out there. Nothing could be harder, I think, than being unknown. And being introduced and walking down the stage and having 300 people look at you and like with their arms folded and saying, "All right, make me laugh, funny man." Yeah, you know. So I give, I give these comics all the credit in the world, and I'm not trying to put myself on their level because it's it's hard. And uh, but have you just bombed ever? I mean, have you like thrown something out there that you think is going to kill, and then all of a sudden it's just like it's just like crickets? And oh yeah, like, oh. I mean yeah, and you gotta you gotta recover, and it is it is it is scary. But I've <laughs> never I've never been booed off stage or had tomatoes thrown at. Yeah, me. no, mad respect. That's bucket list for me for sure. I, I want to talk. You about, can totally do. It. I want to talk about Wombo Sports too. Yeah, I think yeah. I think this is a really cool kind of uh, enterprise that's happening right now in the world of gaming. Uh, tell us about what Wombo, W-O-M-B-O, sports is. Yeah, well, Wombo Sports, we, we say that we connect the enthusiasts to the pros when they play. So a lot of professional athletes play video games. A lot of Everybody plays video games I, nowadays. I, 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 would, I would think it's you'd be hard-pressed to find pro athletes that aren't gamers. Yeah, also, even right? when I was playing football, like the talk at when everyone was leaving the locker room was, what time are we playing at? And, you know, let's make sure we all link up. And, and so, um, you know, it's really when you – in video games, I mean, I have kids, right? And so you think, wow, was, the video games are evil. I mean, they're not evil. Uh, kids shouldn't be playing video games seven days a week. But when you really dive deep into video games, what it is is, is, is it's a community. Yeah. And our young people, I mean, like it or not, uh, they're digital. So some of the communities that they join are online video gaming. Um, and also, I, I think that's really why it's so popular. Yeah, with all the stuff out there and the st things that kids have to deal with, the 24-hour kind of bullying and social media and all that, um, video games breaks down a lot of those barriers, you know? The the jock can be playing with the nerd, right, or the dork. And and, and it does, and video games, everyone's the same. You know, it's kind of like, hey, we're all coming together here. We're just doing one thing. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of good in gaming. There's a lot of good stories that have come out of Wombo and – and other things where, you know, we basically do events and things where it's very natural for professional athletes to play video games. And it's also very natural for kids. And so it's like instead of going to meet your hero at uh, at the gas station where he's sitting behind a table and, you know, hand you a picture and he signs it. All right, Billy, stay in school. Like that's a very awkward interaction. But when <laughs> when the athlete and the kid or the kids are playing Fortnite, it's very natural. And you just sort of really see a authentic real conversation so and, wombo and sports is giving kids or anybody uh, an opportunity to play video games with professional sports we, athletes. We, yeah i mean it's i mean con connecting play with um i mean watch them play we watch do, them play. do all sorts of events yeah. um it's it, it's there's a lot of layers to it but yeah ultimately connecting the enthusiasts to the pros when they play in in some way and and it's uh it's fun because you know my kids play video games right i can't just they just say don't play video games i mean that's 
that's not going to happen. And so it's really made me appreciate and sort of find find some of the good in gaming. And this is this is a local company. Local company, yeah, yeah. We we've been open or open. We've been in business for about a year. Just opened up a huge gaming lounge at the Mall of America, uh, fifth floor by the food court. Yeah. Uh, Twenty four gaming stations, free. Um, do a lot of do a lot of events out of there, and um, yeah, and it's it's just such a huge space, right? There's just so much interest. Every company, every brand wants to be involved some way somehow. You have to you have to show up in uh, in gaming. Yeah, you you you're you're remarkable. I mean, not only have you had this, I don't sleep. I, I was gonna say, That's I like, I have like this large how, coffee here. Large. How many balls do you have in the air right now, dude? Oh my god. Maybe maybe a few too many. I'm not I'm not gonna take no, but a but TV don't, job. wouldn't you rather have it that way? Wouldn't you rather be filling your time with positive <laughs> endeavors than than just being idle and kind of just or, or, or do you no, or no, you appreciate idle? No, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I do need to be busy. I think that I, I need structure discipline uh i need a list of things to do every day otherwise i can get pretty loose pretty quick just knowing myself um and i think there's a lot of football players you know they, well i just want to retire and play golf and do whatever it doesn't work we're not i don't think we're wired that way to begin with i don't think you're going to make it in football if that's how you're wired or make it in a lot of things but then um you know you're just you're trained like you're trained all those years like when you show up to work you're you're a professional football player you get a lot done in one day you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just you can't just go from, you know, going 100 miles an hour to going zero. And I think that's where where a lot of guys struggle a little bit is trying to figure out, OK, what's my now? No one's telling me where I have to be and what I have to do. But how can I construct a life where, you know, I'm needed and things need to get done and I can kind of get in that get in that mode where where I do and I and I produce. We like to we like to produce. We like to do things. I look back when the day is over and say, hey. Got a lot done today. Let's wake up and and do it again tomorrow. A pleasure talking to you. I, I you've you've uh, you've been such a staple in this community and and in this state. And and I think a lot of people are just so proud of you and everything that you've done, but also everything that you're doing here. And and so continued success, dude. Well, I'll just keep trying. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you've always looked good in purple, right? Whether it's Vikings or Ravens and and or Creed uh, Durham Hall. Or cre- oh yeah, dude! See, I didn't think of uh, that. That's crazy. I was trying to get Harvard should have changed to purple, like crimson. <laughs> Although weak. ultimately, uh, gold jacket would look nice too. But anyway, we'll get that. We'll get to, we'll get to that down the road. <laughs> anyway, Matt Burke, thank you so much. My pleasure. And that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to Perk at Pod on ZoneCoverage.com. Be sure to follow them on all social media platforms. They're doing some amazing things here at this space. I'm telling you what, some really smart people up in this building for sure. And follow me on all social media platforms as well, if you will, uh, from Instagram to YouTube to Twitter, Facebook. You can usually find me at Perk at Play, one word. Perk at Pod. Find out what he'll say. Perk at